Last week we studied together the first uh, six verses of 2 John. This week we're going to come to the last part of this very powerful small letter that John wrote. And in order for us to just pick right up in 2 John, verse number 7, we need to understand a little bit about what we studied last week and pick up on why he is writing what he is writing. If you were here last week, you will remember some of the information we went through. If you're new this week, let me just kind of catch you up to speed on what's going on with this very small, very powerful letter that John wrote. John wrote this letter with some concern in his heart. He writes it to a godly woman, her children, as well as for the church that would read it thereafter. He gives some very important reminders as well as some things to be aware of within ministry and what is going on in the very first century of Christianity. As he's writing in the first six verses, he gives his normal greeting, as well as getting into verses four, five, and six, he reminds the Christians to walk in truth and to walk in love. But then he gets to a very important and crucial part of his letter. He's writing about the dangers of the false teachers of the day who were coming into the homes to stay and were telling and speaking of these false teachings to the people, the Christians who were the hosts. In the first century, many people were traveling now. The gospel was penetrating through different communities and different cities and different regions, all because of the roads that the Romans had built. And as Christians would travel on these journeys to go see family or to take the gospel message on a mission journey, we would find that they would get to cities and need a place to stay. And so the Christians were taught hospitality. And so they would receive other fellow brothers and sisters in Christ into their home. They would stay overnight and they would have good fellowship together in these homes. But what was also happening is that false teachers were traveling throughout these roads. They would get to cities and they would abuse the hospitality of the Christians And they would stay in these homes, but also speaking their false message of Jesus. So John knew about this. That's why the first letter that John wrote, the book of 1 John, he wrote to the churches of Asia Minor, uh, warning them of Gnosticism, which was based on a teaching that Jesus was not God incarnate, that he was not God in flesh or man form. And so this, and then of course they threw out the deity, they wanted nothing to do with who God the Father was. That was what the basis of Gnosticism was. And so John is warning the churches, and now he is writing very specifically to warn an individual who had taken on the act of hospitality, but was being very negatively affected by false teachers. And so here we come into verses 7 through 13, and John is going to make this transition to speak about the deception that would be very dangerous to be aware of as he writes about it. So pick up with me in verse number 7. He says, For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, in the teaching of Christ, hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you, 
And bring not this teaching, this doctrine. Receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink. But I trust to come unto you and speak face to face, that our joy may be full. The children of thy elect sister greet thee. Amen. This morning, I want us to dig into these uh, simple verses to find the conclusion of this very power-packed postcard, and we're going to look at a message I've entitled, Be Aware. Be Aware. Father, we pause to come before you, and we want your guidance through this text. We want specifically your message to be given to us. So I pray that you would help us to stay on target, that we would focus on what the text has to tell us and that we would learn from these truths. Thank you for the importance that John has laid out in this letter to walk in truth and to walk in love, and now with the warning for us all to be aware of the false teaching. Lord, I know that in this crowd today that we're not struggling with hosting false teachers into our homes. They're not making a bed and giving them a pillow and a warm meal in the morning, but the false teachers come in so many forms, so many different ways, And so would we just humble ourselves long enough to hear the text, to hear the message, and to reflect on our own homes, our own hearts, and our own lives, to make sure that the the false message of the culture and the world we live in is not penetrating our minds and our hearts and deceiving us. So help us to, to focus today. Remove the distractions. And then, Lord, I also ask that you would work in our hearts. And we'll pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I understand as I prayed that we are not chasing away first century Gnosticism. We're not clashing today with that. Though what we are finding is that in our world and in our culture is a very clear message that is almost exactly what Gnosticism was. There are false teachings out there that are wanting to diffuse the method or message of Jesus They're wanting to take away the power of the gospel. They don't want to hear a message of hell and sin. They don't want to speak of conviction. Change is not what needs to take place in people's minds and hearts. And this is the message we are hearing day in and day out. It's the culture that our children and grandchildren are living in. It is a message which is on the front pages of the newspaper, magazine, and the internet web. All of this is taking place in our day, and we do have to be aware of the dangers because the devil and the world, two of the enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil, so the world and the devil are using very pointed attacks against Christians and against the church so that it can begin to destroy our minds, to destroy who we are, and then ultimately to cripple and destroy the church as well. And so if for any reason today you may think that that's not apparent and that's not happening, then you're living in a completely different mindset or different world or different universe because that's where we are today. And so that's why we can be very passionate about this. Because there are tons of false teachers to today who are promoting an understanding of Jesus that is not biblical. Now, we're not today just talking about all of the other religious systems of belief out there. 
Although we've done a series on Wednesday nights where we tackled all of the false religions, cults of the world, and the dangers that they bring to our hearts and minds. But really today, as we look at this, John is warning not only of those who are preaching and teaching a different gospel, a different Jesus, but those who will try to eliminate the church with a completely different message. And so John would write that in his first letter to the churches in 1 John chapter 4, verses 1-4, through 4, he said, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try or test the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world, hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And that this is that spirit of the Antichrist, or of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already it is in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now I'm thankful for that truth. Because we don't have to bury our head in the sand and we don't have to wave the white flag or throw our hands up in defeat. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so here, we're going to find that John is going to tell us how to remain aware of our surroundings, of our teachings, and of what is trying to be given to us. In verses 7 and 8, he says, For many deceivers are entered into the world. He says, look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. And so verse 7 and 8, we see, first of all, stay devoted to the truth. Stay devoted to the truth. We certainly can sense John's urgency here. He uses the word many deceivers. He is not passive about this. He is very aggressive about this. He is very passionate about this. He says there are many deceivers. And he calls it as he sees it. He says that they are not only deceivers, but they are anti-Christ. They are totally opposite of Christ. They are totally against Christ. Now, there are people who want to pick and choose what they want to believe and what they're willing to accept from God's word. Have you ever noticed that? There are people who are wanting to pick apart God's word and they're willing to accept different pieces of it, things that are easy for them to apply to their life. But we must remember that the truths of God's word do not operate based on our approval or our acceptance. The truths of God's word are absolute. It doesn't matter if you do not want to accept them or approve of them. And that's a society that we live in. The Ten Commandments has been thrown out. The law of the land and that which has been founded on by the truths of God's word are being, are being turned upside down and cast out. And we as Christians find a safe haven within the church, but the reality is, is that the church goes much further beyond these walls. And the community by which we live in day in and day out is the community that we have to make an impact as being the light and salt of the gospel. And so we can't pick and choose of what we want to approve and what we want to accept. We just simply become an ambassador of what is true. We need to use biblical discernment like the Bereans did, whom Paul or Luke wrote about in Acts chapter 17. These were the words. He said, these were more noble, the Bereans. They were more noble than those in Thessalonica. 
in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. And they searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. So Christian, are we more like the Thessalonians or are we more like the Bereans? Are we receiving with a readiness of mind? Do we come to church eager and ready to be fed? Do we come ready and eager to hear from God? Do we come ready in mind and spirit to apply the truths to our life, to be changed and to be different? Or do we kind of just go through the routine? Are we kind of just going through the motions? Where do we find ourselves being ready in our mind to receive the word? But then also he says that they search the scriptures daily to make sure the things that they were being told are so. I love the conversations that can be had with people who take the notes from a Sunday and, and dig into it and search it out and find truths and, and bring to light new aspects and angles and conversation because they're taking God's word and searching and, and looking for themselves. One Bible commentator said this, Satan does not merely want to oppose the church. He wants to deceive her. In keeping with his fraudulent schemes, his minions have infiltrated denominations, churches, and other Christian schools, institutions, and organizations, resulting in compromise and error. So Christians, let us not lose ground spiritually. Be aware of the dabbling into false teachings don't just be a, an absorber of whatever you hear. Make sure that you are committing to standing loyal to the truth and never wavering from it. And sometimes that means effort on our part to learn as an individual from God himself. The voices of the false teachers were loud in the first century. And do you understand that the false teachers today, their voices are loud. They will shout for love and tolerance. That's the message of today. Just love everyone. Just tolerate everything. And it'll all work out in the end. I'm all for love God, love people. I'm all for taking where people are and seeing them go through the growth process. I love to see that happen. But we also understand that the culture is trying to dismiss absolute truth by just saying we're to love everyone and everything for who they are and who they will always be. And so we must remain loyal and devoted to the truth, both the written word of God's, God's word and the truth of Jesus Christ incarnate. Secondly, verse 9-11, he says, Whosoever transgresses and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. But on the contrary, he says, he that abides in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. So number two, remain defending the truth. Remain defending the truth. If you're going to be aware in this day where the false teachers and the false message is all around us and is trying to saturate our minds and saturate our heart and it's trying to destroy our homes and destroy our family and our marriages and ultimately to destroy the church, we have to remain defending the truth. When we stay devoted to the scriptures, we will naturally remain defending and protecting the truth. And let me encourage you to always be a part of a local church who remains defending the truth. Now here at Parkway, 
We defend the truth. In our Discover Parkway class, we talk very clearly that God's word is our authority. It is the foundation by which we, by which we live. Doctrine dictates our duty. So how we live, how we function, how we act comes based on what we believe from God's word. Now, you're going to find, if you're new to Parkway, you're going to find that you're amongst a, a unified body of believers that is very diverse from one another. Because mixed into this group are a lot of varieties of preferences within the church environment. That's what the beauty of Parkway is. Because as it being a diverse group, we are unified on the gospel message, on the name of Jesus Christ, and our God, our Father. So we're going to do our best to impact a community around us while everything comes back to why we do what we do, simply love God and love people. So defending the truth becomes a very natural part of how we, as the church, function as the church. Satan develops lies and he, will he won't directly deny biblical truth because what he does here is he's subtle and he sabotages the truth by mixing in error. And when he brings in the mixture of error and truth, all of a sudden it becomes very effective and destructive than instead of just a straightforward contradiction of the truth. So Christian, let's be careful not to trust everything that we read from a Christian bookstore. Do we all understand that? We can't trust everything that we read from a Christian bookstore. We also can't trust everything that we hear on Christian radio as well as Christian TV stations. And I know the big thing today is Christian movies, and I appreciate the push of having good, wholesome films, movies to watch, but sometimes we have to be very cautious of the message that it's teaching. And I think even in recent days, some of those movies have come out that Hollywood has had its touch and become very destructive to doctrine, sound doctrine, and truth. And so be careful. These are prime targets for doctrinal deception. Back in 2015, we did a Sunday morning series on the holy hoax, and we looked very specifically at some of the false teachings that were being disguised with little doses of truth that made it so much easier for us to swallow. And we think about the position of the Pope within religion. We think about the, the heaven tourism books that have been written, 90 seconds in heaven or 90 moments or whatever the books are titled. And the deception that is thrown into these books for us to swallow them. Because if it's a book about heaven, it has to be real because there's the truth until all of a sudden we read between the lines and see the deception that's being added. Here's a really important truth, a very important quote. What did this come from? A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Mary Poppins. So a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, but a spoonful of truth does not help heresy to go down as absolute truth. So do not be duped and deceived. Sometimes Satan doesn't wage war openly against the gospel because he's much more likely to attack the church by infiltrating within its walls with subtle error. 
That's why Jesus himself warned us this way in Matthew 7. He said, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree brings forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. Don't try to make a corrupt tree bring forth some good, delicious fruit. Because it's corrupt, it'll always produce evil fruit. In verse number 9, we see the word abideth here. This abide in the doctrine of Christ. It's the word in the original language as a present participle. So it means that it's, it's to remain. It's something that is constant, is to remain, to continue, to persist in. So this is not someone that has a resume of used to abide in the doctrine of Christ. It doesn't mean somebody who 10 years ago they were abiding in the doctrine of Christ and so they must be trusted 10, 15 years later down the road. No, it's somebody who persistently continues to remain in the teachings of Christ. False teachers do not want to stay within the confines of Scripture, but rather invariably they will add interpretations to the Scripture. They will take distortions and twist meanings of biblical text to fit their own agenda. And parents, grandparents, and church family, be aware of that even within an evangelical culture or society. Because even within those realms of Christianity, there are plenty of subtle errors that are being, that are being taught and, and being crammed down our throats as if it is doctrinal truth. That's why it's important that we as individuals learn and be discipled and grow and get back to the basics. Here at Parkway, we believe in the literal, historical, grammatical, and contextual interpretations of the Bible. And we will not veer away from what the scriptures say. We will not add in our own. We will not take man-made doctrines and develop belief systems that are not truly biblical. And by the way, we have to be careful of that even within our own denomination and within our own culture of Christianity, that people are making preferences and beliefs man-made doctrines. So we are going to abide in the teachings of Christ. In verse number 10, he says, if there come any unto you and they bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house. There's a stiff arm right there. Neither bid him God's grace. This is a clear warning to the Christian not to receive clearly identified false teachers. This is not a contradiction of the hospitality that is taught in Hebrews chapter 13 too. It is not a contradiction of the hospitality that Jesus taught his followers and his disciples back in the gospel of Luke. This is a warning that says you will know clearly by their fruits who are the wolves in sheep clothing and they will try to come into your homes. They will try to come into your lives. They will try to come into your own mind and heart. An ancient Greek father warned his son, the evil man wants the good man to turn bad so he will become like him. Seems to be something about having more company within your evil ways. 
John's warning does not bring into question the church's opportunity here to be involved in the community with charitable opportunities. We don't take this text and say, well, the church has to be us for and no more boarded up within the walls and we can't touch the community around us because everywhere you turn is lurking the deception of the devil and he wants to destroy the church at every angle. No, the warning is not for us to abandon rescue missions, building projects, prison ministries, care for the homeless, medical missions, educational initiatives, disaster relief, and other outreaches too numerous to go into detail today. That is not an abandonment of that. It does, however, call into question some of the opportunities that a church can find itself becoming easily involved with. Places of, quote, interfaith initiatives whose main, uh, whose main target is to see dethroning Jesus Christ from his rightful place as the sole Lord and Savior. By the way, beware in your sphere of influence the opportunities you attach yourself to. If you find yourself being involved in what is called interfaith opportunities... Understand that you are rubbing shoulders with, may be rubbing shoulders with people who don't believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, that Jesus died on a cross, that Jesus was buried, that he died for our sins, that he was buried and came back to life in a resurrected Savior, and that he is alive today. So we want to make sure that the involvement in our community with these type of charitable opportunities are going to be of like faith, believing in the same Jesus Christ we believe in. The question becomes, what will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? Is he just a good historical figure? Is he a good man that lived this life? Or is he ultimately God in man form? Is he our Lord and Savior? And so it does attempt to replace this, soul, or this solid doctrine teaching within our Christian faith with this humanitarian belief that's trying to resemble a weakened and watered-down gospel. So we as the church have to be aware of that and know that there are lots of opportunities, but we have to be aware of what those teachings are. So threatening are these messengers that the Bible warns us and forbids us from even giving them a greeting. Did you see that in the text? From bidding them Godspeed. He says, if you, as they come to your door with their propaganda and with their false message, with a twisted Jesus, don't even tell them, have a good day. Don't even wish them well. Certainly don't say, God bless you. He says, give them nothing. He continues by saying, for he that bids them Godspeed is partaker of the evil deed. And so when we find ourselves financially supporting, or when we find ourselves physically giving time and energy to these institutes or in these charitable organizations that are totally against the gospel and Jesus Christ, we are doing exactly what John has warned do not bid them Godspeed, for if you do, you are partaker of their evil. Now, all of us are sitting here thinking, all right, I'm wiping my hands of all of this because honestly, 
I'm really not involved in an interfaith organization. I'm not involved in a, 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 a group that's going to twist the gospel. I'm not a part of something on a regular basis that is dethroning Jesus Christ and taking away the deity of who Jesus Christ is. And so you may wash your hands of everything we said today. But let me remind all of us as dads on this Father's Day, as parents or as grandparents, protect your home from these subtle false teachers that make their way into your kid's world. And it is not coming knocking on your door saying, as a Jehovah's Witness, I would like to have an hour of your time to sit with your kid and tell them about my false teaching. No, go away. But they're coming through your TV. They're coming through our video games. They're coming through our movies. They're coming through our apps. They're coming through our schools. They're coming through the neighbors. They're coming through their friends. And it's not to say throw your kid in isolation, but let's all be picky about their friends. A companion of fools will be destroyed. So be picky about who your child, your teenager, your grandchild is around. Watch what they watch and weed out the carnality. You may say, well, I don't have time to watch what they watch. Then they don't have time to watch what they watch. Preview. Read up on it. Go on pluggedin.org.com. Focus on the family. We'll help you to know what elements are coming through those movies and TV shows that your kid says they just have to watch. Natalie and I do that. We get on there. We read the elements that are content that we know we want to avoid coming into our home because there's a message, there's a method, and there's an agenda by this world that is trying to destroy the hearts and minds of God's people. Watch what they watch. Weed out the carnality. Know what they're learning at school. Ask questions. Have meetings. Meet their teachers. Find out the curriculum. Learn what they're learning. Lead by example and quit telling them what to do without living it out yourself. Lead by example. Don't be lazy because the enemy is not lazy. Learn the truth. Grow in the truth and never waver from the truth. Pray hard. Pray fervently. Pray specifically for your child, your teenager, your grandchildren. Participate in their life and be a good steward of the life that God has entrusted to you. Hey, grandparents, God has entrusted you with this child that you can spend moments of purposeful investment into their life. And you make those purposeful investments to be spiritual, guiding them to truth. Mom and dad, you have been entrusted with that life to raise, to parent, to guide, to love. Not to be best friend, but to guide them. They're going to go against it. They're not going to like what you say. They're just not going to like it because you're mom or your dad. That's just how it's supposed to be. But you have to stay strong when your decisions are bucked and disliked. Stay faithful when times get tough. Show them Jesus through your walk and through your talk. And have them in church. Don't substitute your church time for something else that can happen in another lifetime. 
Because the reality is, is you're investing in eternity with your child to be under the teaching and preaching of God's word. Don't run to the pastor's office with counseling, wonder what has happened to your 8, 9, 10-year-old or your teenager when you've never had them faithfully in church. Because you are subtly teaching them something so drastic against what God's absolute truth tells us. Because you're showing them that God is not of utmost importance in your life or in your family's life. I'm not asking you to devote your family unit to be at the church for five, six days a week. In our Discover Parkway class, the church is not a substitute for the home. The church is a partner to the home. And we come beside you to push you, to, pr- to promote you, and to help you. And so you learn how to raise your family in that biblical way. And then ultimately, never give up. You say, man, this list is kind of tough. Yeah, it is. As I was preparing it this week and reviewing it as myself, because I'm a dad of a nine and a six-year-old. I'm a parent. And when I digest this list, I get to the end and I say, this is tough. And that's why I had to say, ultimately, never give up. Don't give up. Those lives are too precious. You have been entrusted by God. And so never give up. Remain defending the truth at all costs. Now, the conclusion of this power pack postcard shows us one last way. He says, be aware, if you're going to stay devoted to the word or to the truth and remain defending the truth, in verses 12 through 13, we must commit to absorbing the truth. I love the picture here, having many things still to write you. I'm not going to write them with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face, eyeball to eyeball, so that our joy might be full. So here, I love the picture of the word absorb because it gives us the idea of taking in and being changed because of it. And uh, a, a dry, useless sponge is worthless, but when it begins to absorb the water, it enlarges, it becomes wet, it becomes useful again. And here, we need to be that sponge absorbing the truth. John reminds his dear friend that He has so much more to tell her and to her dear children, and this knowledge that they will gain together will bring great joy. John would write that in his first letter. He said, And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Jeremiah said this in the prophet Jeremiah 15, 16. He said, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. So I found thy words, I I chewed on them, I took them, I consumed them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. Jesus connected this knowing and obeying the truth with experiencing joy. He said in John 15, 11, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Let me say, I don't live a very joyful life. That may be because you're not consuming and absorbing the word of God. Because the lessons are taught all through scriptures that the more we learn, absorb, and obey God's word, the fuller our joy will be. And then, how do we commit to absorbing the truth? Let me give you some practical thoughts and then we're done. How do we commit to absorbing the truth? Practical Bible study for your daily growth process. Just practical Bible study. 
It is digging into God's word. Many of you around this auditorium, you could stand and give us your daily process of how you dig in, study, and absorb God's word. There are others that are saying, I struggle, and I wish I could wrap my mind around this. I wish I could get a hold of this. And it's just taking one step at a time, one step at a time. We have the resources and tools that we can give you to be a help to you. You just have to communicate. Let us know how we can help you with practical Bible study for your daily growth. And then document attributes of God that impact your life today. It's one thing to talk and list. We could list 20 attributes of God, but how does that practically impact you today? What attribute is impacting you today? Yeah, there's a ton of attributes we could talk about that impact everybody else, but what attributes of God are impacting you today? And then record the promises of God that bring you hope and assurance. Again, a long list of promises, but as you study God's word, you see, boom, there's a promise right for me. You document that, you record it, and maybe even number four, you memorize it. Memorize scripture that aids in conquering temptation and gives you peace. There's a reason why we quote scripture right before somebody goes into surgery, because God's word is powerful and it brings peace. There's a reason why in the midst of temptation, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. There's a reason why it guides us and helps us to avoid being loyal to my flesh and giving in a temptation. And then set aside some time to meditate on God's truth and allow it the freedom to shape your desires and passions. Find something in God's word that you can ponder on throughout the day, chew on it, think on it, Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you through it and bring it to your remembrance. And then pray for the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to the truth as you encounter daily tasks. Ask the power of the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to these truths. You, you may struggle with it, interacting with your coworkers, and we won't take a survey because too many hands will go up. But the reality is in the midst of developing relationships and working through conflicts with coworkers or family members, would you just pray that the Holy Spirit would open your eyes to the truth as you encounter these daily tasks? How am I kind? How am I edifying? How am I speaking grace to my hearers? And then document the victories in your life. The steps of growth. Write them down. Write down the raw emotions that you face on a daily basis so that you can come back to that. You can celebrate, you can remember, and you can watch how God did some amazing things through your days. And then look for God moments that are undeniable and journal them for later reminders. So absorbing the truth, it has to be a commitment. Be aware. Now, some of you may have read this week, the horrible story involving Watiba. She's an Indonesian mother. She was age 54. She went missing while tending to her vegetable garden near her village on the Muna Island in Indonesia. It's a province in the country, and this happened on Thursday this past week. When her family went to look for her, they found only her belongings in the garden, including her sandals, a machete, and a flashlight. The village subsequently launched a search for her, but were horrified to find a 23-foot-long python with a severely bloated belly just 50 yards from the garden. The village chief, his name is Ferris, he said the villagers killed the snake 
And when they cut open its belly, they found the woman's body still intact, wearing all her clothes. Local villager A.U. Kartika said, everyone cried and was in shock. That poor woman. It looked like a horror movie. The people are terrified and afraid to go outside. Now, I know a, a village of people that this week were traumatized by a, a very difficult event. But now as they wander out, they are very aware of their surroundings. Did you notice what she had with her? A flashlight and a machete. A tragic story, but you think about those two pieces. The verse I just quoted speaks about the word being a flashlight. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a a light unto my path. And then you think about the machete she had with her. The sword of the Spirit in Ephesians chapter 6 is recorded as the offensive weapon to face in the battle against the fiery darts of the devil. And it is that offensive weapon of the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So you see how that all kind of ties together. How Christian, we're living in a day where the 23-foot python wants to devour you whole. But you've been equipped You just have to be aware. Don't let your guard down. Don't think that a little dose of of truth and a little dose of God language is going to make the the plate and appetite of deception easier to swallow. Be aware of the false teachers in our society and in our culture that are trying to destroy you and take you down. Thank you, John, for what you wrote, and may we take it to heart and be better because of it.